Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, support the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I'm Mr. Davis, your jam that champion. And I'm joined by your jam that jambroni, lukewarm Luke Owen. Hello, Swap Nation, and a hello to you, Mr. Davis, your big dickhead. How the devil are you? I'm doing good. Uh, the 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 15 pounds of jam around my waist <laughs> mm-hmm. is that you'd think that would be a burden, but it's not. It's somewhat uplifting. Also, I completed Hades twice more this morning. So, okay, I'm, so I'm feeling like the cat that got what's that expression? Cat that got the cream. The cat that got the cream. Why is that an expression? Because maybe it was written by someone who's got loads of cats and they only put out cream for one of them. And so one of them got up really early and got all the cream and then looked really smug about it in front of his cat mates. What cats tend to do when they've had some any kind of food is lick their lips for about 30 minutes afterwards. Mm-hmm. So you think it's more of a an early bird gets the worm deal? I think so. I mean, I don't know in all honesty. I'm literally just projecting. Like mm. if you were to tell me, if you told me that cold, that is what I would assume the metaphor meant. I like the mental picture, though, of a lot of cats in some kind of royal rumble. <laughs> yeah. To get the cream. <laughs> so they get the cream right there. Or does the, the winner get to face last year's mm. holder of the cream? And then cream they get that cream. cream after that. Yeah. Cream that cream pin. Gonna cr- mm. cream everywhere. <laughs> is it, I, I just the reason I'm mining this is is there a, is there a segment here? <laughs> Animals. I'm thinking cute animals. Internet loves cats. Yeah. Wrestling. Yeah, it is. Well, okay. Now you kind of turn me around on this because Mm. I first thought you were going to say something like send in your funny 
like you know pet videos and stuff which don't really work in an audio form and like noises of animals can be just annoying on their own so but maybe yeah like trying to rewrite the rules of wrestling matches but with animals but it has to be something that makes sense like mm-hmm. you can't just say it's money the bank but with giraffes like it's you know it's gonna have like a reason as to why it's giraffes but that's a good one did you just come up with that off the top of your yeah. head those are the first two things that came to mind. Because, I mean, giraffes, would they climb up a ladder? Or would they just well, lose no. their already very long heads? They would use their... Because if you ever <clears> seen <throat> a giraffe fight another giraffe, like the way they whip their head round, it's brutal. It's insane. That I yeah. never knew that. That was... I think everyone had that same bit of enlightenment at the same time with the Africa series a couple of mm. years ago. Insane stuff. Or is this a multi-animal match? Is it a match between baboons and they've got to get giraffes into the ring to climb up the giraffe to unhook ah. the briefcase or banana? Oh, yeah. Okay. For a second, then I thought you were more insinuating. So when I used to do local radio, we used to have a segment called Animal Fights, which is where like callers would ring in with an animal and then another person would call in with their animal. <laughs> and you would then be like, right, now you've got to decide which one of you is going to win. Mm. And then we and my co-host would also decide who of those animals is going to win. And our theme song for it was the Rocky theme song, but with us going, animal fights, animal fights. It was excellent radio. It sounds like Pokemon. <laughs> That's what Pokemon is at its core. Yeah, in, in, a, in a way, it was Pokemon. We weren't nerds, so we never really referenced that on our mm. show. I did used to use the Quantum Leap theme song, though, as my in, as the intro to the song and my bed music. Why did you start doing it with me? You know that never works remotely. That was a solo. No, it's it's impossible. You can't do it solo. That intro as well, it's like a minute and a half long. It's got two credits. It's basically <laughs> like it's got three credits actually. It's basically just like it's all of this and it's like loads and loads, loads of footage. And then it's just like Scott Bakula, uh Dean Stockwell, created by this lad. And that's it. And that's it. Three credits, and there's about a minute and a half worth of intro. It's a bit it like this the, podcast, really. It was the music choice I used for uh Rick Rick Thunder. Yes, uh, and his own uh, TV show. And I uh, will argue to one blue in the face that the funniest thing we ever came up with in that era of No Rolls Bard is the name Judy Lovely. (laughs) Julie Lovely is the funniest name we've got in that entire show. Some people came up with really super clever ones, but none (laughs) of them made me laugh as much as Julie Lovely. Everyone's putting way too much work into it. I was very transparent about what my game plan was for No Rolls Bard. I'm going to make a character that I can use every time so I don't have to keep on coming up with new characters. And a lot of the names there are the first names I thought of. Julie Lovely. Oh, I love every single time. Season one interest. Anyway, right, let's get on into... Just just before we do, is this a thing then? Have we, we bring back animal fights? Should we just say animal puns, wrestling animal puns? And we can have maybe it's like pun of the week. And we can that that this is the you know, the stimulus, as they would say in drama, is animals and wrestling. So okay. 
what, what would what would you say off the top of your head? Or oh, as an animal pun thing? Rhino. Well, that, that's not a pun though, is it? That's just you have named a wrestler mm. who is also an animal. The Beast, Brock like, Lesnar. The, the animal Batista. Like mm. you, we could all we could do this all day long, mate. There's a lot of animals within wrestling. Warhorse. I've, yeah, I've named another one. Is that all of them? Is that all of them? <laughs> is that every? No, the Yeti. There's one there. Oh, we're going, Manta. We're going supernatural then. Ray Phoenix. <laughs> there you are. There's another one. I, I don't think that quite works. I think it's got to be got to be slightly cleverer than that, I think. All right. Well, you're just oh. saying wrestler names. That's not clever, <laughs> isn't it? I'm, tro- I'm trolling you. Anyway, let's talk about Raw. It certainly was a show. Um, it's not as good as SmackDown. Uh, and here's our review of it. So, on last night's episode of Raw, after it was kind of set up the week beforehand when uh, Bray Wyatt in the Firefly Funhouse was going through a few objects in his little realm there, and he pulled out the Crucix. The Crucix. Cru- yeah, it's not a crucifix. Not doing any religious imagery here. It's a Crucix. But it is a crucifix, and it was the one from his feud with Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt's feud with Randy Orton, that is, in a pre-Fiend era like when was that 2017 uh, yeah, yeah it was. i believe it was the, the yeah. great viper in the family storyline on that excellent post-brand split era of smackdown which came crashing down hard after the the sort of bomb was burnt down and we got that wrestlemania match and the house of horrors match but that's what the fiend is for the fiend's gimmick is to right the wrongs of bray wyatt's booking past I don't know what that means about Goldberg in the future, but it looks like now he's on Raw and now Randy Orton is WWE champion. It's exactly what I said was going to happen last week. Luke said it wouldn't. We're getting Fiend versus Randy going by the setup here. Ah, I I didn't say it wouldn't happen. I said it wouldn't be for the title because it doesn't need the title. But, you know, in WWE's infinite wisdom, Edge versus Randy Orton doesn't need the title either, but they're putting the title on it regardless. Jericho Michaels didn't need the title, but WWE thought, nah, I think it probably does, though, even though it's already our main event program. So I'd say that, you know, like Fiend versus Orton, it doesn't need the belt. I think Drew needs the belt more than Randy does at the moment, but we're getting it for the title regardless. But we're not getting it for the title probably until December, I guess. Uh, yeah. Because we've got because some Survivor Series is in the way. That As bloody we... the booking crutch every single year. They're like, well, this is the program we want to do, but oh, we've got to do Survivor Series first, I guess. Just get that out of the way. I just don't get why they do it so close to the draft. I <laughs> understand why the draft happened in last October because that's when SmackDown moved to to Fox. That's that makes sense. The draft this year should have been post WrestleMania. And then you've got yes. six months of people to build allegiances to that brand. Maybe care about the show they wrestle on. But as you we get, saw in this episode... Me, you're telling me that you don't believe that AJ Styles bleeds red. He bleeds raw red after being there for two whole weeks. 
Well, we'll get on to all that stuff later. A lot of the show was built around qualifying matches to get on to Team Raw for Survivor Series. Uh, but it was announced that Randy Orton will be taking on Roman Reigns at that pay-per-view. So it's that classic problem we fall into every year. Everything's going to be on hold for a month because WWE is simultaneously building to interbrand matches, which kind of can't go across both shows. Who knows if they'll do that again? And while also still trying to have... Feuds on their actual program. Yes, because we've got you've got to build Raw to build to the next pay per view that comes after Survivor Series. But at the same time, you've got to build this whole hey, we're we're fighting for the the rights of Raw, which is harder to do when you don't have general managers and sort of like leaders of this because it's not like Adam Pearce and Pat Bucker like you know fighting for supremacy of Raw. I mean, granted, I mean I've been saying this ever, like for the last few years. Survivor Series is pointless. Like it, like the whole brand warfare thing is nonsense, and it means bugger all. But we have to pretend that it does. Like we have to pretend that it's this big thing, and like what's Raw? What will happen if SmackDown lose? Nothing will happen. It will be the same show it will be. They'll just move on with their lives. But it does mean that we're now sort of on hold for a month while we build a show that's not actually building to anything. So let's rein it in and talk about what they will be building on Raw. And that is this mm-hmm. fiend, Randy, Drew McIntyre trifecta storyline. Uh, it began with a Firefly Funhouse installment, which was... It's it's great that Firefly Funhouse is on Raw. We get to talk about them. There's so many little bits. It's really funny. I love the performances of them. Uh, and it was Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss having a Mad Hatter's tea party. Bray was dressed up like a Mad Hatter rather than his usual Mr. Rogers garb. And they serve some tea to Rambling Rabbit. And Rambling Rabbit's like, this is the best tea I've ever had. What's the secret ingredient? And Alexa Bliss goes, arsenic. And then Rabbit foams at the mouth and dies. It's all very funny. Uh, But then Alexa starts promoting her Moment of Bliss segment from, you know, the greatest segment that WWE has in its arsenal, Firefly Funhouse, to the worst. (laughs) Moment of Bliss is the worst talk show segment in the history of WWE. Uh, But maybe it will get better now. Bliss is gimmick's been changed a bit and her talking about randy orton being her guest made some gave bray some flashbacks like he could hear stuff burning recalling the feud of three years ago when they burnt down the the compound yeah that shot of like because she says i'm interviewing randy orton and it's got bray there so the one that's on our thumbnail and bray stands there and is the background he's got that painting that he's always had hanging up there which is the shack being burnt down and sister abigail like trapped inside and he can just hear the screaming from that painting and the fire burning and then later on when rambling rabbit turns out he's actually alive folks he's okay the arsenic didn't kill him off Bray, uh, Bray White grabs the crucifix and starts battering him to death with it. Yeah, he he seemed like he hadn't quite dealt with that trauma. Yes, and, and rightly so. So this is going to obviously fu- fuel Bray's motivation, the Fiend's motivation against Randy. Uh, we got a few bits throughout the show of Charlie Caruso idiotically asking Randy, "Well, are you going to go to the moment in Bliss segment?" And Randy just l- looked like he did not care about this. And goes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> does does Randy fine. know he's in a segment here? Or does he think well, Charlie Caruso is a stagehand? 
there's clearly something that was put out of order here as well because you had the Firefly Funhouse, then you had Randy Orton arrive and mean Charlie walk up to him and be like, oh, uh, Randy Orton, bloody, 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 blah. And then Randy Orton says, yada, 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 and he walks on. And then later on, she tries to interview him again. She was like, I mean, did you have you seen Firefly Funhouse? He's like, yeah, he'd have saw it when he arrived. Like, <laughs> it happened ages ago. Yeah, but people don't watch the show they're on, Luke. But a, a lot of feuds could be quite easily sorted out <laughs> if wrestlers only just watched back what happened in other segments. Is and that how Randy got away with being the janitor, beating up all the legends? Because no one actually watched Raw to see that it was him. Exactly. Uh, but this all built to the main event segment, which was a moment of bliss. Alexa interviewing Randy. I I don't actually know what the general consensus is on this, but I thought this was great. Randy comes down, and what I loved here is that Randy isn't like, he's sceptical. He knows yeah. something's up. He knows this is a trap. Alexa's being super weird. He's not ignoring that fact. You know, she's got this sort of Harley Quinn new look that was different from the Hot Topic look that was sort of mocked last week. And he's like, look, where is he? Where's the fiend? I know what's happening here. This isn't my first rodeo. He's the WWE champion. He should be smart. This is strong booking. Very good. But then Drew walks down Drew McIntyre. He's pissed off. He's been like teasing that he'll interfere in this main event segment throughout the show. They start wrestling. Lights cut off. Lights come back up. Drew's in the ring. Randy's on the ramp. And The Fiend is behind Randy. And you mm -hmm. can see brilliant framing. Really good storytelling through camera work here. Randy is not looking at The Fiend. But he, Randy's character work performance sometimes is just fantastic and he's he knows the fiend is there and he's like ah he does this like son of a bitch <laughs> but he doesn't look at the fiend and he's got this choice to make do i turn around and face consequences for my from his past or does he go against drew you know yeah. or you know he could also escape sideways but that isn't yeah. an option yeah. here apparently and he chooses Drew. And I just think that is such an amazing way to get over the threat of The Fiend while keep Randy strong. It's not like he was crying Seth Rollins style. Yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> John. John, oh no, John. The only way I, the only thing I'd have added into all of this, because I thought this was a really great main event segment. On what was not a particularly great episode of Raw, I did enjoy all of the Randy Orton, uh, Fiend, and Drew McIntyre stuff. Is kind of like the absolute burial of the Miz in all of this, which is just <laughs> like you know, the Miz came out at the start of the show being like, "I'm the money in the bag." And she was like, "Nah, don't care." Headbutt, headbutt, wipes out both him and Morrison, then squashes him later on in the night. If you hadn't have done all of that, you could have had Miz also a part of this segment where randy is not facing just threats from drew and from the fiend but also the miz who's mr money in the bank he's now got like multiple challenges coming after his head and that would have been really nice you know his first night as champion he's finally achieved this 14 times as champion and on his very first night is getting the pissed off guy that he's just taken the title from a guy who could take it from him whenever he wants because he's got a briefcase and the scariest man in the universe in the fiend who's super duper pissed off at him for wrestlemania a couple of years ago but because you kind of like took the miz out of the equation he really is not much of a factor anymore mm. that's a shame that's a really good idea but i, I mean I th it's not like they haven't done that that would have been another layer which would have made it exponentially greater but Randy is feuding with two guys here. 
and kind of mm. kind of Roman as well on the other brand. So I like how they've immediately got plans for Orton. Of course they did. You know, Keith Lee, he, he doesn't get plans. Randy Orton, he's got plans through WrestleMania. He's got plans coming out of his arsehole. But <laughs> what I really liked about this, and this is a... So I read this theory on Reddit. I, can't, I just It was a comment. I didn't, unfortunately, didn't note down who's, who wrote it. But they said... One trope of sort of horror films, particularly involving children, is that they have to face their fears. And the supernatural forces like Freddy Krueger has to, like, it's he's only as scary as you make him. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Randy not turning round to look at the fiend and acknowledge him almost makes the fiend evaporate. Because the fiend could have totally ran down and brawled with Drew and Randy as well. But I love, love this reading that because Randy didn't acknowledge him, you know, that Randy on that ramp was the equivalent of you in bed as a child at night, hearing noises and just being so scared you won't even get out of bed to see what they are. And I, 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 yourself, I love that. And muttering to yourself, it's not real. It's mm. not real. And I really hope that that I really hope that reading is correct because that's a brilliant, brilliant reading. Like if Bray Wyatt next week on Firefly Funhouse talks about how the fact that he didn't look at the fiend, and that is somehow like weakening the fiend because the fiend was nowhere to be seen when this show went off the air. Like Randy and Drew brawl, Bray's gone. He's just completely gone from the stage. So I'd really like there to be something in that because I think that's really, really cool. Nice way to build the story as well. We've seen a lot of Fiend storylines, but one about him, Randy, having to see him. And you can sort of do all these spots about, oh, did he, he just missed him and stuff. Uh, the only other thing I want to talk about about this is, is it ended with Drew versus Randy. Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio said it was sort of a booking 101 violation that the show went off air with Randy, the heel, on top. He was beating mm. up Drew McIntyre at the end. Yeah, uh, unless you're watching in Canada, in which case you got to see uh, Drew McIntyre stab him in the eye with a pen. Oh yeah, so, uh... it just happened after Raw. <laughs> yeah, but apparently it like happened like as it you know in Canada, people just got to see this. So the, clearly there is a writer who has discovered they've got a real fetish for eye stuff this year, <laughs> and it's just working it. Maybe it's Vince, like you know, and he's just working it into everything. It's like go for the eye, it's box office. Get him, get him to. Go for the eye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Lockdown has been hard on lots of people, but it's also been tough on, tough on, well, you know. My big hairy balls, Luke. Yes, yes, your, your big hairy balls, Ollie. So let's thank today's sponsor, Manscaped, for providing the best materials to give you the best manscaping experience possible. This could be the greatest ball shaving of all time. Hygiene is super important in this, the new now. And the perfect package essentials kit by Manscaped comes with everything you need. High performance USB rechargeable body trimmers with its advanced skin safe technology, which is far more impressive than WWE's AR nonsense at their pay-per-views it's not just your big hairy balls that need sorting out you also need to look at your big your big hairy nails or your i guess your long hairy nails or you know your big your big long nails along with the perfect package kit you should also order the shears 2.0 a newly improved luxury four-piece nail kit with stainless steel slashed tips tweezers round point scissors fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Enroll in the Peak Hygiene Plan for quarterly replenishments of your favourite products and get 20% off your order using the code WTTV. There's even free international shipping to the US, Canada, Australia, and the old blighty United Kingdom. So get 20% off your order at manscaped.com using the promo code WTTV. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com with the code WTTV for 20% off your order. Your neat and tidy balls. Well, thank you. Let's get into the super chats. Let's see what you guys think. Get in your super chats, everyone. We will read every single one of them out on this show. Bacon Rasher. Hi, lads. So again, Fiend Bliss stuff was great. And also we had the rest of Raw. That's what I thought of Raw this week. Good luck with positives for the review. P.S. Loving Wrestling Daily with Alex McCarthy. Jam that jam. Great, great show. It is, mate. Uh, You can also get it on uh, Apple Podcast and on Spotify. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. And yeah, Wrestling Daily, that's on uh, Wrestle2, our other channel, every evening in the UK, sort of 
afternoon, I guess, for the Afternoon the in the US, yeah. Vandalia 1998. When Randy burned down Bray's compound in 2017, I was crazy and thought that was a heel turn for Randy and face turn for Bray. Now both are heel, baby? Yeah, do you know, I thought I thought this was kind of like almost baby face for, for Orton for a little bit. Like when he came down and he was like, it was but when he was in the ring with Bliss and like he was, you know, kind of outsmarted. I was like, this doesn't feel like it's the heel Randy Orton here. He feels like the smart baby faces that have, that has worked this out. But this is, you know, it's WWE's edict of like, we don't have baby faces and heels. They are just characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Fiend's very difficult to book matches against. Uh, I always love the character, love the stories, but the style they have in wrestle is not conducive to getting the other guy over. Yeah, it, it, it's that argument of like, name me one really great Fiend match. People will tend to point to the Daniel Bryan one, but really their concession there is like, what is the best of them? Like <laughs> the best of the matches. I love the Goldberg one. The Jam one, Ryan B. Jam. I said it to Sean Ross Sapp last night and I'll say it here. Lana is going to be the sole survivor. Oh. I heard you say it on that show, uh, uh, Ryan B. Jam, and I, I love it as well because I love Sean's idea that Lana gets wiped out by the table spot. Nijax puts her through the table and then the last two kind of like get double counts out or like a double DQ thing. So Lana is the sole survivor by default, basically, because she didn't really get eliminated. Mm. Yeah, it's... Uh... Well, we'll get into that shortly. <laughs> Uh, right, so this episode of Raw was mostly based around that Drew, Randy, Fiend narrative running throughout the show. And, hey, it's Survivor Series next month. So, yes, we got the exact verbiage from the commentators. It's the one night a year when Raw and SmackDown stars go head-to-head -head in direct competition. It does you my see, freaking head in. This company thinks you're thick. This company thinks you're so stupid that you forgot... 24 hours ago they had smackdown's otis take on the raw's miz on pay-per-view they think you're proper thick that you will look at survivors who to be like it is the one night of the year when raw and smackdown stars go head to head in direct competition it's like i, I don't even mind if they do that six months after clash of champions and the draft but to do it within the same month period almost <laughs> It's just so insulting. Um, but the, yeah, sorry, the, the main, the, the, the opening segment was Drew McIntyre not really selling his 30-minute Hell in a Cell match. Like, he walked down like he was fine. I was, you know, McIntyre is awesome all the time, and he's got a respect for selling and the business and psychology. So I was, I was disappointed, I'm, I'm afraid to say. I, I don't think that it, I think it was, you know, he's trying to hide it because when the Miz had his match later, he was mm. targeting those areas. And then, you know, Drew was like proper selling those bits, but it, it could be that, you know, he's trying to internalize it. So you don't show that sign of weakness, or it could just be, do you remember a few years ago when Vince decided that people shouldn't sell matches like after the fact, because they don't want characters to look weak. So it could be Drew's a brilliant, brilliant worker and is internalizing this because he doesn't want to show weakness. Or Vince McMahon has said, no, you're a big lad, don't sell anything. I'd suspect it's the latter. Uh, Drew's too smart to not even show a bit of pain. Uh, but, but the thing is, he said it hurt like hell. Mm. And it, I, I said it in my review. This is everything. This is 
fundamental stuff any writing course tells you. Show. Don't tell. Uh, But he's interrupted by The Miz. The Miz is like, you're not going to be WWE champion again because I'm going to cash it in. I did it 10 years ago on Randy Orton. Randy Orton's the champion now. And Drew just punched him and John Morrison, knocked him out with one punch, easily saw them off. Remember when people told me that, uh, oh, it's better for Miz to have the contract because he's not a comedy character. And then, yeah, he's just coming out and doing more comedy. Uh, now, the first of the Survivor Series qualifying matches was AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy. But I can barely look at the action, Luke, because there's a massive man standing at ringside. Yeah, he is. He's a big, impressive man. He is so, so large that just the act of standing there is is a distraction to everyone. To, to be fair, he is astoundingly tall he's enormous he's a big ninja he's outside the ring and he's the same height as aj styles inside the ring yeah um what i don't but and i think he carries himself really well like there's this spot where just before the commercial break jeff hardy fell outside he just catches him doesn't do anything like doesn't beat him up or anything but just catches him like i'm cool i think he performs the role really well what i don't like is WWE booking the baby face that AJ Styles is going against to constantly be like, <laughs> and, and get distracted. And then but AJ Styles, so yeah. And AJ Styles just wins via, oh, I think it was a phenomenal forearm. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. It's distraction. Yeah. Jeff was like, you know, on top. And then all of a sudden he just saw the big guy was like, good God, he's tall. <laughs> Look how tall that man is. And that allows AJ, same thing happened with Riddle last week. Riddle issue was like, my God. He's so tall. And then AJ wins. Like that's the new, that's the new babyface plays their music to distract someone. Uh, oh, we got that. But, but we also got that <laughs> in a match's time, in fact. Um, yeah, it's, but you know what? I will say this. Um, it's it's the best character that he's had. He's had three characters this year, this big lad. You know, he was the big ninja. He was the raw underground doorman. Now he's AJ Styles' bodyguard. And this is the best character he's had of the three. So uh, I'm, all, I'm all in it. I think it's really good. I like, I like big doorman. I thought that was a fun gimmick. Uh, Elias was hit by Jeff Hardy. No, Elias, Elias hit, Jeff, hit Hardy. Jeff. Yeah, yeah. I'm already bored of this repetitive feud. <laughs> it seems. Yeah, you're you're jumping forward a couple of segments. Yeah, so he hit him with a guitar. Uh, Lucha House Party put, took on Akira Tozawa and Drew Gulak in a tag match. Went a couple of minutes, but our truth just walked down to the ring and everyone got distracted and tried to roll him up and win the 24/7 title. It was wank. Yeah, yeah, not good. Uh, Then we got the Firefly Funhouse segment. We've already spoken about that. Then we got the second qualifying match of Elias versus Keith Lee. Yes. um, So Keith Lee not had the greatest Raw run. We thought it was going to be great. You know, mixing it up with Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. Beat Randy Orton in his pay-per-view debut in about six minutes. Um, Here, uh, well, hasn't really won a match since. Here, has to have Jeff Hardy help him win. Hmm. Hmm. Well, the, 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 there are many things I didn't like about this. First off, I it's Elias being pushed as a serious wrestler isn't as bad as the Miz being pushed as a serious wrestler, but it's within the same ballpark for me. I don't know if if you really like Elias, all the power to you. I'm not taking that away from you, but for me, watching Elias, this guy who's been, you know lower mid card at best apart from that amazing seattle uh heat performance 
not Seattle Heat. That sounds like it's a WWE spin-off show. But the, the basketball one with Kevin team. Owens. Yeah. <laughs> or is it? I don't know. It's, did they move? <laughs> what happened there? And Elias being booked to to take Keith Lee to the limit here. Because that's what happened. Keith mm -hmm. Lee did a few power spots early, but then Elias did wrestle pretty viciously, but he, he shouldn't be going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Keith Lee. And then Keith Lee only wins when Elias is distracted by Jeff Hardy's music. Yeah, it was like two weeks ago, he was having this big monster thing with Braun Strowman, where just, but no matter what Braun did, he just kept standing up. But yeah, here he's just being worked over by Elias. It, 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 the, the two don't really click, to be honest. Yeah, so I at least Keith Lee's on the Survivor Series team. But I say at least. That used yeah. to be a mark of honour, but he'll probably get eliminated first, right? When Braun Strowman buffs him into a the, the little barricade area where the, the timekeepers are. They love that they'll spot. Be on, surely they'll be on the same team. Yeah. Well, th that won't stop them, Luke. They'll, <laughs> they'll start him fighting and then they'll brawl out of the... Uh, of the thing, and then they'll yeah. one of them will get counted out, I guess. Or, no, or both of them will get counted out. It's really good that way, even though they're not both the legal man. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. And after that, Elias was hit by Jeff Hardy. Correct. Yeah, there you go. Cracking guitar shot, by the way. <laughs> uh, Charlie Caruso asked Randy Orton if he's going to be the, the thing, and he said, "Yes." Stop asking me this. <laughs> go away, mean Charlie. <laughs> Uh, then we got oh, the Hurt Business versus Retribution. This video package that played before this, this was Nexus going into SummerSlam levels of greats, where they were like, just, just focus on all of the good bits of this, which aren't, there's a lot of picture for. This, the video department at WWE is incredible. They are the greatest editing team in the entire world because they made this angle. They made Retribution look like a completely credible act. They made them look like they have been this force that has been tearing this company apart. And the Hurt Business have really, really struggled against them, despite the fact that they're unbeaten against Retribution, have beaten them three times now. And, and fourth by the end of tonight. But this video package was incredible at making you think that this was a legit feud. Mm. Uh, but make no mistake about it, folks and fans, this isn't a legit feud. No, this is not. a time filler. This is yeah. just a way to get the Hurt Business over. There were never any plans for Retribution. There was never any thoughts of putting them into the main event scene. They were only ever a lower mid-card act. They're fighting the US champion, but they're not feuding over the US championship. So everyone, I think we can now put this to rest. It is something I've been saying for a month now. They are a mid-card, lower mid-card act. Let's treat them that way. Let's not keep getting our hopes up being like, ah, oh, this could have been a main event faction. It was never any good. This is, no. I guess, a lead being revealed as the leader. Yeah, that's a thing. It could have been good, but it was never meant to be that way. Really, they never ever gave us any hope for the, for it to be good. So I don't know. Is the fault on us? No, the fault's not on us, dude. Because like this, the whole reason this group exists is because ratings were bad. So they wanted to do something that would shock the system in a way, you know, if you'll excuse and not bring up the Undisputed Era. They wanted something that would be like, oh, man, it's this new group. And they wanted it. I do believe initially they thought this was going to be a big act. 
the problem was they had no plans outside of put a group on the company, like put a group on Raw. Like that's that was the genesis of the idea and where the idea stopped is make a faction. And then eight months later, they were like, uh, and the faction's rubbish. We're not doing it anymore. It got a proper three. It got raw undergrounded. It was a proper three-week level push. But it's like, no, we are treating this, this super seriously. Actually, we're not. We're, we're bored of it now. No one likes it. It's not getting over. Don't bother putting it out on TV. And do you know whose fault that is, Ollie Davis? It's the wrestler's fault that they didn't get over. It's the audience's fault that the group didn't get over. It's not creative's fault. It's not creative fault that we gave them stupid names and dumb costumes and crap angles. No, it's it's our fault for not liking the act. And it's the wrestler's fault for not getting over. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm everybody. sorry. I'll I'm take really this sorry. one. It's yeah, it should be on us. Suck. Yeah. Uh, but the, you know, what? how can you bury them more? Because, you know, last <clears throat> week we got Bobby Lashley tapping out Dominic Dijakovic. T T Boner, I think his name is, and then the fiend also laid him out immediately afterwards. I'm like, well, surely that's it. Like, there's, they're, they're buried. No, no, because you can do that match again and have all of Retribution pinned or lose. Because yeah. what this was, because we got an eight man tag last week, this was an eight man tag elimination. <laughs> so the only the only thing I've been wrong about is that I thought they were going to do this at Survivor Series and yeah. bury Retribution there. But they're not. They're no, doing they it, it forward. here. <laughs> when this was announced as a Survivor, like an elimination match, I was like, guys, you do know Survivor Series in four weeks' time. Like, you could do it then. Like, that's on a night where you have elimination matches. Nope, they were like, we're so bored of this. We're just going to get it done now. We're just going to have that match now. It's going to go three minutes. No one gives an F. They go, yeah. <laughs> and then... And then Ali can cut a promo later where he's like, we're still good though, right? We'll win when we want to win. <laughs> it's, a, it's another Simpsons reference. It's the pig flying through the air. It's still good. It's still good. It's still good. <laughs> um, so this was just, I, I called them biker mice from farts. That popped me. That really made me laugh. <laughs> I can't unsee biker mice. That's what they are. Um, but they, so it was MVP was the first elimination. And Retribution managed to get this by Mia Yim or uh, Re Reckoning, I think. Uh, she got on the yes. apron, she got inside, and then she started having like a fit. Like yeah. either, either it was some kind of mock epilepsy fit or it was, oh my God, I've got, it looked like she had like insects crawling over and she was trying to get them off, but there That's... weren't. That's what I thought it was as well. At first, like she was starting scratching her arm, and I was like, "Oh no, they're not doing this like a, a heroin thing, are they?" Because that would be like a I really like self harm thing. Yeah, like well, you know, just like let's let's not go down that angle, but like let's not go down that avenue on this. But no, and then she just started like itching herself all over, and MVP she's they go like, "What the hell is this?" And the referee's like, "What the hell is this?" And in the in the madness, um, slap nuts rolled uh mvp up and, and then they were like ha, 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 it was all a ruse <laughs> who the hell it's the only that? pin they got it's the only pin yeah. they got in this match and it's like oh great no one really smart idea no one bought into the fact that she was having a fit they were just like well this person's weird and then they got rolled up why couldn't this just have been a normal distract the referee spot one of the other members of retribution clocks mvp roll up off the back of that but no they did like 
what is Retribution's gimmick? Like the, the when Mia Yim started to do this, I was like, so is there like a supernatural element to it? If this was so so bad, and I I'm worried that people are gonna skip over this <laughs> because this was just a little throwaway spot. But it makes such little sense. I, I don't care about Retribution getting buried anymore. I made my peace with that months ago. But Mia Yim getting into the ring and doing this sort of mock epileptic fit, I find like insulting in quite a few different ways. Yeah, this was it was really bad, really, really awfully bad. And it's, I mean, I don't, I, I think you're all right. People aren't skipping over this because if there's anything that people are pointing as being like, well, this was rubbish, it is that bit of the match. Good. It's not because I think, I think like you. Everyone else has just passed the point now where they're like, well, we've we stopped taking this group seriously. Like, there's no hopes for them. We've had, we had a su few super chats in during the Hell in the Cell being like, ah, but when the real leader gets revealed or like, you know, what if the Fiend takes them on? But I think apart from a hand, small handful of people, no one gives an F about this group. And they've all decided they're a bunch of jabronis. WWE don't care. I know that there are still people who think that it's Vince McMahon's hilarious parody of Antifa, but it's really not. If this was a parody of Antifa, they wouldn't be like w if there's one thing that WWE aren't known for, it's subtlety. Like they would if this was a parody of Antifa, they would be hammering home the fact that this is a parody of Antifa. This is actually WWE thinking they had a cool group, then realized it wasn't cool, so now don't care. Yeah, so we had the MVP elimination. Bobby Lashley and T-Bone uh, fought into the stands. They got a double count out. Mace just got flat out pinned. Nothing there. Yeah. And then it's just Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin against Ali. Ali gets beaten up a bit, realizes he's outnumbered and hits Cedric with a steel chair. So he gets a DQ loss. Hurt Business win. Uh, Hurt Business go to beat up Ali and Ali runs away. Crap. And Ali cuts... Ali cuts a promo later on where he says, we're not finished with the Hurt Business. It's like, you haven't even got started, mate. You've lost yeah. four times to them now. Four times in two weeks. After that, Angel Gaza was flirting with both Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. And then Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax came in. He was sort of offering the rose to Brooke and Mandy. And then Nia Jax and Shayna came over. And he, he tried it on with them as well because he was rejected. Yeah. Uh, it was... a. It's a shame Gaza's been reduced to this. But then what I'm weirdly excited about is Jax took the rose. Like she didn't she didn't say yet she actually rebutted him, but then she looked at the rose. And I'm not against a Gaza Nia Jax pairing. I think Jax is doing some of the best heel work of her career right now. Completely agree. I actually really like her odd partnership with uh, with Shayna Baszler. There was a segment we didn't talk about earlier when they were giving their list of people they would mm. like to have on their Survivor Series team as team captain. Until Adam Pearce told them, "Neither of you are the captain." By the way, I, I'm the captain. I think um, so. So I've got I've got to like I'll pick the team later. And um, Nia Jax didn't have Shayna Baszler's name on her list. And like Baszler was like really pissed about that. And then uh, later on, she, you know, in this segment here, talking to Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose and Dana were like, well, we should be team captains. And Jack just goes, oh, are we getting punked? Are we getting punked? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was such a stupid line, but it's delivered so brilliantly and so perfectly. And then when everyone leaves, Shayna Baszler just looks at her and goes like, seriously, Gaza? I thought, I, I really like this partnership. This is the best work Shayna Baszler's done on the main roster as well. Yeah, I agree. 
Drew versus Miz. Well, actually, the best work Shayna did was when she was being pushed really strongly in Chamber and whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. Drew versus Miz was next, where Drew, like, I thought they'd use Morrison as a way to give Miz some offense or at least a couple of minutes of working McIntyre over. Not at all. I mean, it's great for Drew because they're pushing him so strong, but Drew squashed handily, handedly, Miz and Morrison here. And at one point, he grabs the briefcase and lobs it up the ramp. It was good. And Matthew McGonaghy was in the crowd. That moment where Drew threw the briefcase is like a real, that's a visual metaphor of WWE's booking of the Money in the Bank briefcase this year, which is like, (laughs) I'm not asked. But yeah, like this was a total squash of uh, Miz and Morrison. It was hilariously so. Uh, I haven't had so much. I haven't had this much heat from an from an opinion since I said I don't think Miz should be Money in the Bank. Uh, but apparently, people bloody love the Miz. He's a great player. He's a great upper mid card heel. His character's fantastic. He's such a good talker. But he shouldn't shouldn't be in the main event scene. Uh, we, we've we've been here before. We've lived through this experiment. It didn't work. After that, we got an excellent street profits impression from the New Day. I didn't include this observation in my news, but I was sort of, you know, I write notes when I'm, I'm watching Raw, so I'm not always looking at the screen. And I was writing notes off the back of the Drew Miz match, and I heard, I heard Montez Ford. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Street Profits. Wait, Street Profits on her. <laughs> I looked over and it's Xavier Woods. Like, Kofi Kingston was pretty good as Dawkins, but Xavier Woods had the mannerisms down perfect, had the cadence, the speech. Oh, just brilliant impression. It was absolutely fantastic. It was really, really good. I mean, like, as a, as a segment itself to announce Survivor Series matches, it was clunky as all heck. Mm-hmm. But their impression of the Street Profits was, abs- it was fabulous. It was really, really great. Yeah, I just didn't want to say that I mistook Xavier for Ford without more (laughs) explanation there. Uh, But yeah, they ran through the other matches, Asuka versus Sasha, Randy versus Roman, and it was announced before this point, Lashley versus Sami Zayn. US champion versus Intercontinental champion reprising the three beautiful sisters feud. Do you think they'll make an appearance? They'll join the Hurt Business. I think commentary made reference to it. I think commentary said, oh, Lashley's sisters will love that. <laughs> Christ. Uh, and then after that, we got uh, the team women. Uh, team women. <laughs> <laughs> team women. I'm that's, team um, women. I think that's, that's not WWE's new uh, thing that they're charging people £50 for or something like a month. It's that's team AEW's women. thing. What did I say? TNA. Sorry, I'm in, I'm in a, <laughs> AEW. Yeah. Team women. Team uh, women. But the Adam Pierce and Pat Buck, they've just billed as WWE officials, whatever that <laughs> means. General managers. They announced Nia Jack, Shayna Baszler, Dana Brooke, and Mandy Rose as Team Raw's lineup. And the fifth member will be decided right now in a four-way between Lana, Lacey Evans, Peyton Royce, and Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross in this match was very good. Everyone else yeah. in this match was not very good. And, of course, Nikki took the pin. Yeah, I mean, as soon as Lana came out, I was like, well, she's winning then. She is 100% winning this match. And she won't have, like... She'll get, like, knocked out by Lacey Evans in the, with the women's right. And then she'll sneak in 
and she'll get the pin. And then Nia Jax will put her through a table. And sure enough, that is exactly what happened in this match. Lacey Evans punched her out. Nikki Cross ran wild and was brilliant. Mm. And then she got pinned and uh, Jax put her through a table. However, I am really getting into the Lana getting put through a table spot. And this was the best one of the lot because Lana <laughs> wins and she's like, yay, I'm team women. And she gets out the ring. Jax looks at her like, yay, we're all team women. And like they hug and then she won't let go of the hug. And Lana's reaction when she realized, oh, she's not let go of the hug. And, and then basically starts taking the table apart. Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke, by the way, don't stop her. Like they just stand there like absolute dicks. I mean, like, I mean, she's going to get put through the table. There's nothing much we could do about it now. And I, I laughed. Mm. I, I, and I'm going to laugh again next week. It might be my new favorite thing on Raw. It, it popped me as well. I thought again, Nia was the best thing in this segment, uh, even better than, than Nikki Cross. What you didn't see is all of Team Women, the confirmed Team <laughs> Women, were by the commentary desk, and Nia Jax had forced Byron to stand up so she could sit down. <laughs> she and, didn't do commentary. Yeah, like, she just <laughs> she was really, really good. And yeah, the the table spot was very, very funny. Six weeks in a row now. Um, yeah. But yeah, that ever. What is Lana though? I guess like <laughs> people are like, is she a baby face? Is she a heel? There was a report a couple of weeks ago that WWE see Lana as this really good baby face now that they feel they've stumbled upon something. It's not her getting buried for whatever Rusev did or for whatever she, you know, got the endorsements on social media that rubbed the company the wrong way. But now I think no, no, no. She's definitely getting buried. She's being booked as a comedy character to get put through tables every week by one of the more unsafe workers in the company. It's definitely like a th a thing. I but, don't think it is. But I, I, really I don't think it is. But I don't think you know Lana is is not a good wrestler. So this is right. a pretty good use of her. Yeah, that's the character. She shouldn't be in this position, but she keeps finding herself in this position. She <clears throat> shouldn't have had the match against Asuka. She got yeah. that because Jax laid her out through a table. She only won this match because she kind of stole the pin. Like her character is, I, she is not good, uh, but she keeps getting wins. And I'll be honest with you. I was, you know, I've been really enjoying this, but Sat Vault, who has just left a comment, has now got the perfect booking, the culmination of this. One day, the Dudleys must return and have Lana shout, get the tables. And Devon works there. You could have that spot where she goes, Devon, get the tables. What Nia does or Lana? Lana does. Like, that's, that's the big that's revenge. The, that's the big revenge thing. And she puts everyone through tables. No, no, I want that to happen. Lana's gonna, the Thunderdome are going crazy with their with their tinny noise and and then Nia Jax still puts her through a table <laughs> so she sets the table up and then Nia Jax says nope you go through it <laughs> uh, after that we got Charlie again asking Randy if he really is going to go to Moment of Bliss Ali cut that rubbish hurt well no it was a good promo but it means nothing on the hurt business and then in the final Survivor Series qualifier a really good match I thought I, I really got into this Matt Riddle versus Sheamus I know Matt Riddle isn't British, but I, I sort of because he did so much on the UK indie scene, I feel like he is like an adopted son of of Brit Ress, and of course Seamus comes from that world as well, and I just feel like that like Seamus in another time could have been having 
even better matches than this on the UK indie scene against Matt Riddle. Yeah, this match was great. Mm. This was this was stiff as a teenager discovering Babe Station. It was <laughs> absolutely like rock hard all throughout. And I thought these two worked together really, really well. I think Seamus has been doing some, like he's only been on Raw for two weeks, but he's done great work in those, those two weeks. Really, really enjoyed this match. I, I'm not a fan, I'm really not a fan of Todd Phillips being like, this is a first time match for Raw. I, I know they've had matches on SmackDown because it again just makes yours the viewer are thick, mate. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was rad. Really, really loved this. And in the end, Sheamus surprisingly was the one that picked up the win. Mm. There was no heel shenanigans. He just comfortably won against what comfortably won, but he just you know he did get he hit his finish and he won. And that's so Riddle lost here. He lost against AJ. Lost against Corbin just before he left SmackDown. It's not been a great run for Riddle. And you've got to wonder whether some of that is the accusations against him and the company not wanting to put any stock in him at the moment. That's one of my favorite Pink Floyd songs. Comfortable one. <laughs> I was actually listening to the Scissor Sisters version of that song. Oh, it's great. Uh, what day. an album. It's a great album. It's flawless. Yeah, I love it. Uh, but yeah, that really, really good match. I actually would recommend you go out your way and watch this. Really hard-hitting stuff. Um, but yeah, like Luke said, back-to-back -back losses for Riddle since moving to Raw. Good for Sheamus, good match, but a bit frustrating because we mm. want Riddle to be booked better, I guess. Overall, I, I really actually liked the Fiend, Orton stuff. I liked that the Survivor Series matches had stakes. But overall, like I thought this episode dragged a bit. I I thought the retribution stuff was just, you know, infuriating. Uh, so overall, I gave it a, a two out of five, really, a poor. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Uh, I'm actually going to echo something that Denise um, said on the, the Fightful show is that I found myself lo looking at the clock a lot mm. during this show. I mean, I look at the clock a fair amount while watching Raw because it is so long. But I found myself checking the clock even more this time around, seeing how much of this show is left. Was a bit is long, felt long, but the fiend Randy stuff was really, really good. Uh, let's get into your su 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 super chats to close out the show. Last call for the super chats, we will read out every single one of them. Also, smash that like and subscribe button. Uh, Sergio Parra, I know The Fiend shouldn't care about the title, but Bray should, which gives The Fiend reason to go after it. Hmm, that's, that's nice. That's a good point. Uh, Emma Bon, very generous super chat, thank you. I'm sad. Why do they hate retribution? Why do they want to destroy any chance they have of making money or of telling company compelling stories? Why do they hate them? Why don't they want them? I'm crying. I'm sad. There's an investor's call in a couple of days' time. And bearing in mind that Retribution was born out of the previous investors call because investors were saying, like, your ratings are low. You need to do something. Do you think that WWE are burying them now? So when they get to the investors call, they'll be like, hey, this is this is on you. You asked us to create this group <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't work. And that's why our ratings haven't improved. So you should really leave it to us now to, to, to make new stars. We've dropped Raw Underground. We buried Retribution. Q4 is going to be much better. Uh, Angel Perez. Uh, Drew McIntyre is like Brock Lesnar, except he's there every week. And where he is, someone is getting beat down or taking a claymore. Hashtag relentless. I love, I just love Drew, man. Strongly. Like, I, I, 
He's strongly booked and I'm really, really into him. Sam Mort. I feel so bad for all members of Retribution. Yeah. Amen. Uh, it's not their fault. Charlie nope. Davis. I'm still thinking about Drew and Randy's jewel of the fates on top of the Helena cell. <laughs> and the fact... <laughs> Just got that. And the fact Randy struggled to get his pants off for half the match because he was in yeah. disguise, of course. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, but it's got to go to Bailey. Bailey and the tape. <laughs> I'm, I'm too so sweaty. Sweaty. <laughs> too sweaty. And then tripping over it. Adam ah, Ulrich, with all the eye stuff this year, do you think Vince started the year off <laughs> high on wrestlers? <laughs> do you think Vince started the year off high on wrestlers' eyes, but then soured on them? <laughs> I just, oh, yeah. just you've, you've got the most beautiful oh. eyes, Andrade. <laughs> SMB, oh, right. Bray will interfere in the Autumn Roman match to keep everyone strong and to carry the feud on with both men. Also have a feeling Autumn Fiend will be an Inferno match. Ah, that would make sense. Bray mentions fire. Yeah, I mean, actually, that's actually a really smart bit of booking. And they haven't done one in so long as well. Like, that would feel like it's a big deal to do an Inferno match, yeah. I would say they'd probably more likely do a House of Horrors-style cinematic match. Maybe. I haven't done one of those for a while. Uh, Andy Buckley, the eye thing between Orton and McIntyre was shown on the UK version when they were on the announcer's desk, and I thought, Mysterio Mark II? Uh, big eye Coteers. The interview with Keith Lee was painful to watch. You can see him trying his best to make his script work, but it felt so forced. Yeah. He's one of the best promo guys they've got, and they're just flattening them out. David Martinez, I said it at the Helena Cell live reaction. I'll say it again for Ollie's reaction. Cena versus Orton at Mania for the belt. Cena wins and breaks Rick's record. We did talk about this yesterday. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Rohan Bardwaj, I think it would be amazing if it's Kofi that beats Orton, payback for all those years ago. You mean Surely last payback. year? I was going to say, that last year he got all that payback by beating him a lot. Hmm. Uh, maybe, yeah, a Randy, Brock, Kofi three-way where Kofi wins the title. Yeah, in our dreams. No, I think sorry. We can comfortably say now that there's not a chance in hell Kofi's getting back in that main event picture. Not anytime soon. Sam Mort again. Who on the Raw roster would you build a program with Asuka around? Also, do you think there's any coming back for the likes of poor Dio and Thorne? Yes, uh, with new characters. Uh, and, you know, getting their names back, perhaps going back to NXT. Um, Naomi is a, is my immediate answer because I think Naomi is incredible. Uh, Peyton Royce. Vince is high on her backstage. Everyone's high on her backstage. Um, I, I think Peyton Royce would be great. if you, But, you know, crucially, with Billy Kay as her mouthpiece. Shayna Baszler. Uh, is Joe Libre. Do you think The Fiend will go after The Undertaker this Survivor Series? I would like that. Uh, do we need more Undertaker matches? Hey, if it's a cinematic match, mm. that could work. I think that could work really well. Do a sort of John Cena, history of Cena style match. I'm into that if it's done correctly. Bo Hill, Bliss's gloves say pain and play. NXT Cross used to always want to play. That's a good point. Think there is a chance Bliss turns Cross back into the twisted sister. I don't think we need to add more people to this act. No, I, I don't think they'll do that. Uh, Black Saw Johnny Hex. I think Retribution is lame Batman villains like Bane's henchmen. Yeah, so basically we have got the we've got the the goons, but not a leader. 
Mm. Unless the real leader gets revealed. It's Brody Lee. It's Raven. Injection <laughs> 2K. I don't see what everyone else sees from Naya. Uh, I, I, her delivery is very good. She's got an impressive look. Uh, her promo is really good. Her heel sort of just general actions and mannerisms, I think, are spot on. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, if your opinion is coloured by the undoubtedly large list of injuries she's racked up to other people, I can see why you would yeah. want to look into that. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, wrestling related, uh, Tijaz Reg says, uh, is this a resurgence for pro wrestling with great storylines like Roman, Banks, Bailey, Fiend, Omega Page, Jericho, MJF, and Eddie Kingston? And it's, as it's getting dark outside, Luke, it must be retribution. Mm. Or the Fiend. Yeah. The Thank Fiend's discovered not. the dimmer switch as opposed to just uh, turning the lights off. I, it's wrestling always has good stuff going on. I think the, you know, the AEW stuff you spoke about has been of a very high standard for a while. And SmackDown under Bruce Pritchard's guidance has also got them very, very good. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't think it's a resurgence for pro wrestling. I just think it's it's the same, but there's some hot storylines right now. Uh, Charles Berg says, fill in the blanks, Ollie. Knights of the champions. Table. John Cena started in 12 rounds. Charles... I I was going to say it's nice at the round table, mate. Come on. Charles Barkley is called the round mound of rebounds. You missed out another one up here. Amro, you think any of the champs will change before Survivor Series? Oh, I did miss that one. Yeah, uh, I mean, they well, they were hammering home the idea that if they're the champions by this point, then they will get those matches. Mm. So who say who knows? Uh, Johnny Hex, have you guys seen Kane in any of the See No Evils? I've seen him in both, uh, and I think I think the first film is. Yeah. I think the second film is actually remarkably better. They're both fine. They're both okay. Uh, Rini says uh, Bray had eleven nineteen on his hat. Taker debuted on eleven nineteen. Well, that he doesn't put things in like that for no reason. So hopefully that that implies he'll be going after Taker. Jimmy Killeran, uh, your daily reminder that the reason Tyson Hill forgot how to react to the Firefly Funhouse because he was plotting how to kiss his son at home. Isaac Merrimother, uh, the saddest thing about Retribution is that it feels like Ali cannot come back from this. Such a wasted talent. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so bad. I think it's one of those career ruiners, unless he goes mm. elsewhere. Zachary Jenkins, when a bliss said arsenic, my mouth dropped hard. It was awesome. That and was lastly... Good. And lastly, Bacon Rasher. At least Retribution can go back to NXT and forget this crap on Raw. Can't, well, they can't. They've got Raw contracts now with Bacon Rasher. Uh, thank God for those masks. Well done finding some positive on Raw, lads. Hashtag jam that jam. <laughs> Mr. Davis, before we get into misheard lyrics, I just want to give you my little, my, my latest Buffy the Vampire Slayer hot take. Oh. And this is hot. I don't think anyone's ever had this opinion before. Season four is garbage and it's really <laughs> difficult to watch. And it's what just happens rubbish. in season four. That's the one where the army shows up and the initiative is there. And like, it's, it's so rubbish, man. With Riley, right? Yeah. Oh, Riley, who is, by the way, so boring. He makes you long for Angel to come back. We watched an episode last night where Angel was like, he came back from an episode. I was like, I'm so glad you're here. God, don't ever go away again. And he's so boring. But Riley's even more boringer. 
it's weird, isn't it? Joss Whedon's celebrated writer of strong female superheroines, really. Uh, but he 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 falls into the trap of writing the generic male love interest. Yeah, he can't do it, man. He's re- They're either generic male love interest or creepy AF dude, which is Xander. And like and like and everyone else in the show is Xander. If you're not if you're not Angel, you are you are a Xander. What about Spike? I was gonna say apart from Well Spike in a in a little is a a bit in a way. Giles is different because he's a dad, and uh, Oz is the only one who's a bit different. That's because Oz is just like, I don't care. Like Oz's only lines are like, I don't care. I just I have literally no opinion on what is happening right now. I haven't gone back to watch Buffy. Although I would love to, but my you know, that's that's the sort of endeavor you get in with the person you live with. And mm-hmm. she is not into that. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. <laughs> <You're> tried. <laughs> she didn't she didn't watch it when it was first on. She didn't like it then, but nah. Mm. And I loved I always loved Buffy, but then it moved on to Sky One at one point, I think. And I was mm. lucky enough to have Sky One as a kid. And I would watch it coming out weekly in the UK, which was probably two years behind the US. But season four was that series. So I was watching it. I was on the edge of my seat about the army people and Riley. Riley, in my head, was the new sort of end game of masculinity. That's, (laughs) That's what we would all evolve into eventually with his little strand of hair that just flopped over his face. That's the hair yeah. I wanted. So it's but a shame to, to hear it doesn't hold up. But oh, mate, there's a special things... place in my heart for that. You want to talk about things that don't hold up. That season's big bad. Adam is sort of like this mm. kind of like Frankenstein's creation. It looks so hokey and oh, rubbish. It is not... just like it's got t- it tinfoil. No, it's just tinfoil on him, mate. And it looks <laughs> proper crap. <laughs> looks so low rent. Um Anyway, that's my current uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer hot take. It's taken us months to get through season four because it, whenever we sit down to watch, we're like, I, I can't face it. I can't get, I, I can't be bothered to watch an episode. So we're now just powering through. We've got one more episode to watch, and then we can move on with it. If anyone's looking for recommendations for what to watch next, if you don't fancy Buffy, I've got to talk about this. Hasn't been talked about on the podcast before by either of us, but Dave. <laughs> I don't know if you know it, Luke. This really great show that I discovered, Dave, is yeah. uh, quite comfortably the best thing, the best new thing I've seen since Rick and since I first saw Rick and Morty. Really, I thought you might have that opinion when I saw when I watched the first episode of it. My first thought was like, Ollie will love this show. Ollie will absolutely lap it all up. It's so good, right? It's uh, it takes. It it started so smart because it it lures you into thinking this is just a very good comedy, you know that Jewish guy Jewish humor that sort of millennial humor as well kind of a, a girl girls about a rapper, but then something happens when you're you're in that sort of sight gags and dick jokes and sex fun things and elaborate setups and then in episode five it's like oh no this is actually a really careful sensitively done mediation on bipolar disorder i'm like oh my god and then the next episode is something else and then it's just like these absolutely crushing blows but they all make sense they all work for the characters um dear god the the last half of that series is yeah otherworldly good it's exceptional. Speaking of exceptional, 
I have fixed our technical problems. <laughs> it, so it you? turns out I have, I've tested it and everything. And here is the problem that I had when I was clicking share screen, I had to click a different tab, which I did last time, but here's what I didn't do. I didn't click the little checkbox that says share audio. So I've now fixed that problem. So I'm going to share screen. I'm going to share this one over here. Crucially, also clicking share audio. So no, hold on one second, because I'm going to start on There's one I want to start with in particular. Okay. So share screen. I feel like you're already screwing this up. Sonic producer, share audio. <laughs> okay. So uh, first one comes in from um, Seth who says, hey guys, so the song Sonic Reducer by uh, Saves the Day, the chorus goes, Sonic Reducer ain't no loser. My girlfriend and I were listening to the song and she says, it sounds like he's saying uh, Sonic Reducer, anal loser. Uh, and I immediately <laughs> thought of this podcast. So let's see if it does sound like that. It's going to have to be good to beat Chinese porn. <laughs> okay, you ready? Anal looser? Is that a command? Like, make that butthole looser. I'm struggling. Just make it here. looser already. It's like, uh, oh my god, this is. I'm not into uh -oh. that kind of thing. <laughs> doesn't 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 do it for me. But if 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 it does, all the power to you. But a friend, I remember uh, when I was younger, teenager, someone described what it was like because they had done it with with their girlfriend over the weekend. And he said, it's like trying to shove a sausage through a 5p coin. <laughs> and I, it just, it oh, haunts man. me. It that haunts me to this day. <laughs> it's <laughs> crass, Luke. <laughs> you're there having a pop at WAP, and then you're saying this on a podcast that we know that people listen to with their families. I said it in a way where <laughs> kids, kids won't know what that means. Okay, well, Devin has sent one in before, but he we, we didn't think it was particularly good, the last one he sent in, so he's hoping this one is better. He says, uh, here's another misheard lyric that is a better slash funnier submission. I've got a million of these, and I promise you won't unhear this one. And with the current presidential race and rapper's political views, it's very apropos. So it's from T.I.'s Whatever You Like, which I've you know never heard of before, but T.I.'s, uh, he's an Ant-Man. Uh, the well, actual I guess are... that it's going to have a lot of auto-tune. Or is that T? I, I think that might be. T I, I don't. Mm. Or is it T Bar from the uh, from Retribution? <laughs> so the actual lyrics are: I want yo body. I need yo body. However, what Devin thinks it sounds like is: I want Joe Biden. I need <laughs> Joe Biden. <laughs> so let's see. It does. It sounds more like Joe Biden than it does Yo Body. That was released in 2008. I guess he was the. Was it? He wasn't even the vice president by that point. No, he was. was. He I was. think it just. No, no, in months. No, he wouldn't have been. Right? Yeah. 2008, yeah. like October, November time was when Obama became, was elected. Wait, yeah. McCain? No, that's the other guy. That's the other team guy. <laughs> that's, the other, that's the other lad. 
Okay, uh, one more that I want to share with you here. Uh, this is one that I really, really disagree with, but I've heard it from a lot of people over the years. So, uh, and it's a song, we all know it. We all, in a way, love it, I think. This will be the last one we do. Hold on, uh, Chrome tab, that one. Share audio, share. So, it's Eiffel 65's Blue, which crucially is called Blue Dabba Dee Dabba Die, right? And when when I was at school, someone once argued with me, like vehemently, that the lyrics are, I'm blue. If I was green, I would die. <laughs> I prefer which, uh, that. Which your paranoia has emailed in to say, hi there, lukewarm Luke Owen and Mr. Davis. Recently, a friend of mine told me the song, I'm blue by Eiffel 65, instead of dabba dee dabba die, is if I were green, I would die. After listening to it closely, I heard exactly what he was hearing. I hope this is a good one for you guys. Hope you have a great rest of the day. I'm really sorry, paranoia, but I can't hear anything else, but... Oh, it's annoying. Just that little bit. It's like someone <laughs> saying, nah, 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 nah. I know a song that'll get on your nerves, get on your nerves. It's that yeah. in, in Euro pop form. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't hear it either, I'm afraid. Yeah, no, that is quite clearly dabba dee, dabba dee. But thank you. We've got a few more that we want to do, but we'll do those on the AEW podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. We love you. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.